Hey everybody, this is your host, Matt Castellini, and welcome to Chicago Capital. We have a great episode lined up today, but before that, a word from our sponsors, World Business Chicago. As the city of Chicago's economic development organization, World Business Chicago drives inclusive growth and opportunity for our local tech, innovation, and startup ecosystem. They recently announced the 2022 Chicago Venture Summit, Future of Food, their new flagship conference to highlight why Chicago leads as a global capital for food innovation. Follow World Business Chicago on LinkedIn and Twitter for event details and other related news about our city's economic progress. Tom, thanks so much for hopping on Chicago Capital. It's a true pleasure to have you here. That's great to be here. I think it'd be great if we could start with uh, a little background on yourself, a little background on Zenblend, and uh, we can just go from there. Sure. Yeah, no, that sounds uh, sounds good. So a little context about Zenblend. So we are a Chicago, Chicago-based startup, and we are creating a tech-enabled smoothie bar. So think something the size of a vending machine. You walk up, use the touchscreen. And it uh, blends a fresh smoothie right in front of you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I took an interesting uh, kind of journey to entrepreneurship here. So before um, finding Zemblend, I was actually working in the consulting space in strategy consulting. Uh, so here, here in Chicago, and I get asked a lot of questions like, "Oh, like what? What prompted you to go from uh, you know strategy consulting to to finding a smoothie startup?" and um, a little fun fact about me. So I have been drinking smoothies like every morning for 10 plus years. I had one this morning. I had one last morning, uh, just part of my daily routine. Um, and that really stemmed from my days as a, as a college athlete down at the University of Chicago. So um, ran track and field, played a little bit of water polo. Um, so health and wellness has always been really important to me. Um, and the way I practice that was, was through my, my smoothie routine. So, uh, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I'm you know, working at a strategy consulting firm downtown uh, here in Chicago, uh, and I kind of kept that routine going. So I would literally go into the office morning, every morning, I have my mini blender and I would uh, have my smoothie. So uh, when you do that uh, kind of every day for, for a couple of years, your colleagues start noticing. So um, I was known as the smoothie guy in the office, like Tom, like you're the smoothie guy, <laughs> like you got your mini blender every day. Um, and my colleagues actually started coming up to me. It's like, Hey, Tom, like that looks really healthy. We wish we did that. So I, I somehow was able to convince my manager to give me, um, a budget to run. We call, we started smoothie Fridays where I will literally stop by the local Mariano's, uh, every Friday morning. Uh, buy ingredients and like make my smoothies for my entire office every Friday. So, uh, you know, I can't say I was the most productive on those Friday mornings when it comes to work, but, um, you know, people loved it. And I I did that for over, over a year, actually, um, when I was, uh, you know, still consulting. And that's when I realized just the, the opportunity here, you know, people, um, like consumer nowadays are looking to be, you know, um, healthier, but also kind of uh, busier than ever, right? And it's really, um, 
I think, valuable to have have something that's healthy and, and really quick and convenient. And smoothies were, you know, how I saw that um, as, as a good solution. But I also didn't realize just how many, um, I guess, pain points uh, existed around, you know, smoothie making, et cetera. And uh, that that kind of illuminated the problem. And then, you know, the the rest is history. And so did you look at existing solutions out there like Daily, Daily Harvest, for example, um, and some of those other direct-to-consumer, um, you know, plays? Did you look at those and say, you know, I want to compete directly with them, I want to improve upon that experience, or did you think there was a fundamental kind of difference in what you're building um, and, and there's a huge kind of white space in the market because maybe the, you know, the quality of those smoothies or the process or you know, whatever it is about them, you felt like you could improve upon. How did you kind of view those existing solutions and direct-to-consumer plays? Yeah, no, man, that's a, that's a great question. It's funny you mentioned Daily Harvest. So after, you know, I started Smoothie Fridays, <laughs> like, I, I got half the office hooked onto Daily Harvest <laughs> because of uh, because of what I started. So um, it was definitely a, a helpful solution, right? I think Daily Harvest um, helps takes the pain point away from, you know, having to buy ingredients and things like that. But what ended up happening to my colleagues is that the Daily Harvest, you know, they get delivered and then they ended up piling in the freezer. So I had a colleague who's like, oh, like, you know, my, my roommates are really mad because I'm taking up the entire freezer with my Daily Harvest cups. Um, so I, I think there's still the... Um, you know, there's still the issue of having to blend it yourself and and having to clean the blender afterwards. I think that was something that we discovered through our um, kind of customer discovery process that cleaning the blender is no no easy task. We once um, were out doing these smoothie events. We were interviewing this uh, this woman. She said that you know she got this $500 blender from her wedding as a wedding present. And it's unopened in her kitchen because she's that scared to have to clean the blender. So I was like, wow, like you should donate that blender to us, you know? So, um, so there's, it definitely helps having those solutions and it takes away some of the pain points. But I think, you know, if you were to ask people, it's still difficult to get a smoothie, right? Like, man, like, are you a smoothie person? Like, do you, do you drink smoothies? Like, yeah, so I have subscribed and I'm subscribed from daily harvest like five times. Um, because I, I love smoothies. I agree. I think it's such an easy way to get the nutrition that you need. And, you know, generally speaking, I like, you know, juice generation. There's a bunch of smoothie places in New York mm-hmm. that I would use often um, when I live there. And so I just developed kind of the taste for it. I saw the nutritional value in it. But yeah, Daily Harvest, there's just a ton of logistical issues that arise. Um, and you mentioned the freezer thing that was always happening to me. I'd often be gone for whatever reason, traveling or, you know, not around. And the shelf life, like those ingredients go bad really fast in a given day. Like I could be gone and not back from work until afternoon. And mm-hmm. there you go. Like my smoothie's already like ruined and it's an entire box that gets ruined. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's like with any direct to consumer subscription business, it and I've tried a lot of them over the years and maybe this is like a, a longer, broader conversation. And it's why I'm so curious in what you're building. Um, but it, it feels like on paper, it sounds like a great idea. Um, the cost can initially, you know, it seems high, but you know, you say, Oh, I'm saving time. It's convenient. So, Hey, I make up for the cost, but 
you often never utilize as much as if you, as you think you're going to. So that cost just continues to rise. Um, you know, there's usually always some type of logistical problem. Serving sizes are usually always smaller than you'd prefer. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I'm a veteran, I would guess, in the consumer subscription space. So I, I, that's why I think what you're building is really interesting. And I guess, uh, you know, moving from there, are there analogies that you look at outside of the smoothie space, um, similar business models, similar value props, go to market strategies, but not in, you know, smoothies, maybe in a different category that you say, you know, we think we're, you know, similar type value prop to that, but we're just, you know, offering a different type of, you know, good. Yeah, no, definitely. I think there are, um, you know, you almost have to take it back a little bit, look at the broader, you know, this food automation, um, automated retail space that I think is really um, taking off in the market, right? You see the Coke um, you know, in the coast days, robots left and right making pizzas and um, coffee, et cetera. But I think, you know, staying close to home here in Chicago um, is, is, is farmer's fridge, right? You look at the success of that uh, and they've had both here in the Midwest and now expanding nationwide. I've spoken to Luke, um, you know, many times and, often thanked about him really paving the way, right? I think the consumer experience and expectations is is changing now, right? I think, you know, if you were to look five or 10 years in the past, I think there's um, maybe some more consumer reluctance around getting premium healthy products from a tech-enabled solution, right? Um, but with the success of Farmer's Fridge and, you know, their um, kind of salad vending um, fridges throughout throughout the kind of U.S. now, you're seeing that customers are embracing this, right? Like, hey, like, why can't I get a premium product from a uh, kind of like an automated solution? And, um, you know, that that has definitely been something that uh, uh, we kind of keep our close eyes on and um, you know, hope to emulate and, and kind of follow their footsteps. Yeah, no, it makes a ton of sense. Um, I think they are definitely analogous to what you're building. And I think um, digging in a bit deeper to kind of the business model. Um, so we'd love to hear price points, um, you know, how, how consumers, where consumers, we'll start there, price points and then kind of cost of the machine uh, and just tons of follow-up from there, I bet. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. So um, kind of our smoothies are uh, pricing around $8, $758. Um and, you know, our recipes are all nutrition curated. I think as a former athlete, that's really important to us, right? There is things that you can get out there where, you know, it's a smoothie, but super high in sugar, not something you want to drink every single day. So we want to make sure that our product uh, is something that our consumers can, uh, if they were to add it as part of their routine, it actively improves upon their their health and wellness right so that's kind of where uh our price point and smoothies are um in terms of the kiosks we are still in the kind of beta build stage uh we've heard some uh we got some good estimates on from manufacturers as they um as we go to scale there and that's looking like very feasible i think we're looking at um you know around half year payback periods for uh, you know, on the kiosk, which is really good. Yeah, that's that's really impressive. Um, are you all, where do people usually go to find these kiosks as of right now? And then maybe you could talk about kind of the expansion strategy and where you're looking to have them in, you know, a year or two, three from now. 
Yeah, no, of course. So right now we have our kind of unit number one. We've been taking it around the city of Chicago. Um, so the kind of main markets that we looked to hit, and again, our thesis is we want to be where our target consumer's daily routine is, right? I think the main problem right now is, hey, I want a smoothie. I have to walk like half a mile out of my way to get that. You know, people aren't going to do it. But if you're just, you know, on your way to work or, um, you know, in your, in your apartment building and stuff like that. And bam, there it is. You can get a smoothie instantly. Um, that's where we see the connection being made. So the main kind of verticals that we've been placing our kiosks during these pop-ups are really threefold, right? So where are our target consumers? Well, they're at home. So we're looking at, um, residential high rises, right. Um, kind of as a premium amenity model, um, so that, that's been uh, really good. The other place has been um, like fitness uh, studios, right? So, you know, go get a workout, get a smoothie. They're very, very symbiotic. Um, and then lastly, and this is where um, opportunities arise is kind of in the next couple of years is in the office building, right? Like as people are going, returning back to the office, um, we see the opportunity to really recreate and even build upon that water cooler effect, right? Like if you're going back to the office, like, Hey, like if there's a smoothie there, it makes it a lot more enticing. So, yeah. And then from a, I guess, unit standpoint, what are kind of the North star metrics you all have in mind when you're watching how this, you know, first unit is getting deployed? Is it, you know, how much throughput is going through the machine, how much revenue it's generating, um, you know, what are the main things you're looking to see to kind of really give yourself more confidence in the kind of product market fit behind this, you know, this first unit? Yeah. So there's a couple of things that, you know, we're looking to, to measure when we're having these, these pop-ups, right? I think one of the, the primary things we're looking to measure is because, you know, people like smoothies, right? I think smoothie bars are out there. It's no, um, I, I think that much is, you don't have to add too much evidence there. I think what we're introducing in terms of um, novelty is this new channel, right? So, hey, like people like smoothies, but are people ready to, you know, purchase and, and pay this price point um, from an from an automated experience, right? This new channel, this new experience. It's kind of like when, um, you know, th think back to when e-commerce came out. It's like, hey, sure, like people want to buy things, but are they ready to buy things from the internet, right? I think it's pretty well known that people are ready with, with Amazon and what's, had, what's been happening. But, you know, there's a similar, um, I think, wave of adoption that's coming for uh, kind of automated retail and applied robotics, right? So one first thing we look is, hey, like, are people... Um, how are people responding to this new purchasing experience? And, you know, we have things like NPS, overall satisfaction, uh, as well as just daily purchases, right? And also repeat purchase rates. So when we're here over um, at an event for a week, you know, are people coming back, right? Because we, one of our main things is we want Zemlin to be part of your daily routine. Like, kind of like me, I have a smoothie every day. We want, we want to make that more accessible to more people, right? Like Matt, you have your daily harvest solution, you know, subscription. We want that same kind of convenience uh, from Zemblin. And um, looking at repeat purchases is really important. Uh, people are open to it that kind of how many purchases um, and sales we're making, um, et cetera, things like that. 
And can you talk a bit about kind of the the cost of goods sold, like the actual sourcing of ingredients, how you're keeping them fresh over the long run, um, and just that kind of procurement process, I guess. Yeah. So that's something that from day one, we knew was going to be really important for us, right? Like as we have um, nationwide global ambitions, like, right, these are, we look to place tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of kiosks throughout the world. And that's, you know, requires um, logistically uh, to be to very um, kind of core competency there. And, you know, for us, it starts with the recipes and the ingredients we use, right? So we use, um, it's called IQF, so individually quick frozen fruits. So you can kind of think about the fruits you can buy from like Costco, right? Like a big bag, um, you know, they're cut, things like that. So we get them straight from our uh, kind of suppliers um, and they come pre-processed, pre-frozen. That does a couple of things, right? So number one, it uh, makes logistics and operations much easier. Like you're not working with fresh fruits and vegetables, right? So um, that simplifies things dramatically. Um, and the other thing is from a nutritional standpoint. So, you know, a lot of smoothie places, they'll give you, um, they put in fresh fruits, et cetera, but they add a bunch of ice to give you that smoothie consistency. Uh, so if you were to use, um, just frozen ingredients, then you don't need to add the filler anymore. You have that kind of refreshing consistency without, um, uh, without need for ice and it makes it more nutritiously dense if, um, if you know what I mean. So yeah, so that's uh, a little about that. And so from a defensibility standpoint, moving forward, um, are the machines themselves going to be patent protected? Is there kind of like a patent moat you're looking to build with the different components? How are you kind of looking at the actual machine and its defensibility? Yeah. So we already have um, kind of patents kind of being uh, processed right now. Um, around the system, the various subsystem, and just how everything's laid out. So that's uh, going to be key. And then I think one of our core strategies is we're going to start here in Chicago. Right? I think fun fact that we learned as we were kind of going through this is that the Midwest has one of the lowest smoothie establishments per capita. So you, if you're in New York or if you're in California, you probably have a lot more smoothie bars than here in Chicago. Right? We've heard a lot um, kind of times like, oh, like the nearest smoothie bar is like 20 minutes away. So uh, going to really go ahead and, and kind of make Chicago our stronghold, um, kind of home base before kind of expanding nationwide there. Yeah. Do you envision yourself getting to like a New York or an LA just because I'd imagine there's just more you know, density of smoothie options. Do you think you'll go after like tertiary cities first and then, you know, leave New York for last kind of just curious about that kind of geographic strategy. Yeah, no, most definitely. I think um, kind of expanding coast to coast can be really important. And we're already seeing, um, you know, signing LOIs with customers that have a more nationwide presence, right? So kind of signing with, you know, if we were to go and, you know, uh, kind of start with, let's say, a um, kind of residential building here in Chicago, but the management company has prop like properties all throughout the United States and we can piggyback off of their own network, right. And kind of go into the various, um, the various, uh, kind of, uh, kind of urban areas, um, like to address your kind of initial question of whether Midwest first or kind of coastal first, I think, um, in the short term, there definitely is a lot of opportunities here in, in the Midwest, um, but with the expectation, the, I think the strategic plan to expand coastal as well, um, especially like 
New York and, you know, LA and things like that. So. And what does your, I guess, fundraising strategy look like leading up to that? Are you fundraising right now? Or are you looking to do that in 2022? Would love to hear kind of about, you know, that, that side of things. Yeah. So we're going into our seed round coming up in the spring here. So uh, should be really exciting. We've already gotten some been thrilled to hear about the interest from our like, current investor base and things like that. Um, so yeah, be on the, be on the lookout soon. Should be fun. And in the past, have you gone through accelerators that have helped you kind of develop this? Are there programs that you would recommend um, other founders who are looking to build hardware kind of, you know, enabled solutions that they check out? What's kind of been the, the journey from that standpoint? Yeah, no, that's uh, I think that's where Chicago is a really great place to start. Right. So there's been two two things I want to really highlight from kind of our journey. So. Uh, first has been, so Zemblin went through the Chicago Boothis New Venture Challenge back in 2019. So NDC, um, for those who don't know, is a accelerator, what, like nationally ranked top, nationally ranked accelerator through the Chicago Booth School of Business, right? Um, so that has been just extremely helpful. Um, just the network, um, the kind of like the boot camp you get as uh, as entrepreneurs has been just so important, um, you know, it's, it's through there that we got a lot of our kind of early angels and stuff, right? And that's really expanded our network throughout throughout this journey. Um, and the other um, kind of resource that I want to highlight, um, actually, where uh, I'm, I'm kind of recording this from right now, is MHub. So uh, they're the premier, um, you know, hard tech incubator here in the Midwest, Um I truly think they're kind of underrated. They're very similar to, you know, in 1871, where 1871 is more uh, kind of catered towards um, kind of software companies. Um, MHub is uh, kind of catered towards hard tech. Uh, I know they've got, they're starting um, kind of various accelerator programs that have a great mentor system, great community. Um, so, yeah, I just want to highlight that as well. Yeah, no, it's so true. We've definitely had hardware founders on the show, and they all speak about, um, you know, the, the the power that MHelp has kind of given them. Um, and it's yeah, it's a great point. I think Chicago is becoming a really interesting place for hardware, for deep tech, um, for quantum computing. Um, just a lot of interesting kind of um, areas that you know traditional Silicon Valley software investors might not, you know, look first. I think Chicago's yeah. done a really good job of kind of um, building up its prowess in those areas. So yeah. uh, happy you were able to hit on that, actually. Um, Tom, I want to thank you so much for hopping on the show. This has been fascinating. I know people are going to be definitely on the lookout uh, for the Zen Blend machine. And uh, if you can give any more information about, you know, yourself, where to find more information on Zen Blend, um, maybe if you already mentioned it, where it is currently right now in the city of Chicago, if people want to run out and grab one, uh, we'd love to hear more. Yeah. So feel free to, um, you guys can reach me at Tom as Zenblend.com. So that's T O M at Z E N B L E N.com. So feel free to reach out with any questions we are hiring. So, uh, both, um, for full-time, uh, kind of full stack, uh, kind of lead software engineer, as well as, uh, kind of various internship programs for the summer. So people know of anyone who wants to you know, join a smoothie startup, uh, plenty of uh, smoothie perks right there. Feel free to reach out. Um, and with our uh, kind of various pop-ups, we're still to be determined right now. So we're juggling a, a couple of uh, locations, uh, both in 
the residential real estate space, as well as the uh, various gyms we've reached out. But um, uh, we keep our kind of um, followers uh, updated uh, through our Instagram. So that's Zemblunt underscore smoothies. So you can give us a follow on IG there and we'll be the first to know uh, in terms of the next pop-ups coming up soon. Awesome. Tom, thank you so much for hopping on Chicago Capital. It was a true pleasure to have you. Looking forward to uh, hearing the next updates in the future. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me.